belief in the evil eye has a long history in the Mediterranean, the Near East and parts of Asia. But how long this history is, no one really knows. It's still a feature of many cultures today and has also taken on new meanings, such as in the world of heavy metal. It's a very complicated belief system with much of the information we have on it in the Mediterranean coming from anthropological fieldwork around 50 years ago, inquisition records in the early modern period and artefacts and iconography from classical antiquity. But the belief could go back to more ancient times. A few months ago, I was in Sicily at the Paolo Orsi Archaeological Museum in Syracuse, and I noticed that some of the Neolithic pottery had stylized eyes on it. In fact, on the plaque in the display cabinet, that's exactly how the symbols are described. Since I've done a lot of research on the evil eye in the past, these pottery shirts made me wonder if the belief stretched as far back as the Neolithic, or maybe even before that. And I wondered if there was any evidence that megalith builders themselves believed in it. In this video, I'll explain what the evil eye belief is and how it's been managed in recent history in the Mediterranean, because that's the easiest information to get hold of. The rituals have tended to vary from region to region, but some key elements have been fairly consistent for hundreds of years and in different places. So we can get a good grasp of what the belief system is all about. Then I would like to enter the world of wild speculation and look at the possibility for its existence in the more ancient past. So what is the evil eye? Those who have the eye are thought to give bad luck unintentionally to anything or anyone that they are envious of. The effect of the evil eye is an accidental kind of misfortune. It can befall anyone and everybody is capable of casting it. It's not the same as a curse which requires the caster to have intention, skill and malevolence. A curse is a more geographically widespread belief. An example of the evil eye would be if you go up to someone and say you like their car, two things are assumed. First, that you may deep down be envious of the fact this person has such a nice car. Second, that if you do have the eye, then making this statement could lead the car to break down. So after saying something nice like that, people who believe in the eye or are worried that the receiver of the compliment might believe in it, usually say something at the end of the sentence that stops the possible evil eye having an effect. Anyone is capable of casting the eye, but historically, anthropologists doing work in rural areas have found that it's often blamed on those who are outsiders, either new to the village or living on the edge of society in terms of their behaviour. Just like it sounds, it's cast by looking at something or someone and feeling envious of it or them. This can be as simple as walking past a house and looking at it, or like I said before, complimenting a possession of someone whilst in their company. A person, their spouse, their children or their livestock were thought to be able to fall physically sick or suffer with mental health issues because of it. Farmland could become less fertile, a household object might break or food might go off. Sometimes a person could simply face a long period of bad luck, which seemed to come from nowhere and so they attributed it to the evil eye. Historically, people have had lots of different ways of handling the evil eye. Firstly, they would use apotropaic devices to ward it off. It used to be common for farmers to display horns on the side of their houses to stop the evil eye affecting their livestock or crops. The idea is that the horns absorb the evil eye when someone walks past and accidentally casts it. Horns are a major symbol in the evil eye belief system. 
Horns on the side of a house would be a permanent fixture. Red chilies were also popular apotropaic devices, probably because they are the same shape as horns. Chili amulets or actual chilies were often used to ward off the eye. Interestingly, garlic was also used in many regions and in different ways to ward off the eye. Since most prophylactics are designed to distract the castor away from that which it envies, anything that smells strong, sounds strange or looks shocking would do the trick. Since reproductivity was important to rural Mediterranean families, children were seen as particularly at risk from the evil eye, especially newborns. Mothers-to-be often hid their pregnancy and labour until the last possible moment to avoid attracting any envious glances or comments. Once their children were born, it was common to refer to them as stupid or say other negative things about them to stop people from becoming jealous. Sometimes they also dressed their children badly, rubbed dirt on their faces, or gave them unflattering nicknames to avert the evil eye. Infertile older women were often seen as potential casters, since it was expected they would be envious of those with children, and they were also seen as socially different to the rest of the community. Physically hiding wealth or pretending to be unsuccessful were also ways in which people stopped their neighbours from being jealous of them. Prized livestock were also kept away from prying eyes, and a trip to the market meant all sorts of amulets and rituals. But temporary apotropaic devices were also used immediately after the eye had been cast, because it was thought that if you were fast enough, you could stop it from having an effect. So if someone received a compliment that wasn't followed by a prescriptive statement, they would do things like make the sign of a horn with their hand. That's how this became a popular heavy metal symbol. A rock star in the 1970s copied the idea of their Italian grandmother, who used it, it to ward off the malocchio, which is evil eye in Italian. It's got nothing to do with devils or whatever. Etruscan frescoes also show people making the sign of the horn. Strangely enough, vulgar profanities were sometimes used to counteract the evil eye. Certain swear words or horrible insults said discreetly were believed to stop the evil eye in its tracks. I won't repeat them here, but some of the Maltese ones are very funny. There were also reports from various cultures where genitalia were referred to loudly or more discreetly as a way of deflecting the evil eye. At some point, the belief system around the evil eye merged itself with different religions, making it culturally acceptable during more traditional times, even though it had originated much earlier. To ward off the evil eye, people sometimes carried cloth bags containing herbs, religious symbols, and images of saints, and these were normally prayed over first to imbue them with protective power. Other apotropaic devices include eye iconography. I'm sure you've seen these amulets, which are still popular in Greece and Turkey. Then there is the Hand of Fatima, which has traditionally been used in North Africa and the Near East for protection. However, in spite of all these prophylactic devices, sometimes the evil eye was still cast, which opened up a whole new set of rituals designed to cure it. In the evil eye system, even though a person might cast it accidentally and without blame, a specialist was still needed to cure it. Herbs, oils, water, burnt leaves, prayer, and religious chants were all combined to create ritualistic cures for those who believed themselves to be afflicted by the evil eye. 
Diagnostics were also carried out using oil and water to be sure the person was truly affected by it and to work out who had cast it. The specialists fused together pagan and religious belief systems. It was socially acceptable to politely ask the caster for help since they hadn't caused the problem intentionally and it was thought that if they helped, the problem could be resolved a little bit faster. Identifying the caster wasn't a witch hunt or bad treatment of the person. It was a blameless sort of mission to resolve the issue. The caster would often agree to give a part of their clothing for the ritual to cure the afflicted. Ultimately, depending on the religious beliefs of the culture, the eye was thought to be caused by evil spirits or something similar. The emotion of envy invoked these supernatural entities who temporarily imbued the caster with a power they did not choose to have or realise they had. Let's go back to the pottery in Syracuse. These seven sherds come from Trefontaine near Etna, are classed as Stentinello ware and date to between 5000 and 4000 BCE. Incidentally, archaeologists see similarities between the Ardalan pottery of Malta, which is the earliest kind from there, and that of the Sentinello culture of Sicily and Calabria. This has led to the suggestion that the early Neolithic farmers in Malta travelled by sea from one of these locations. Both pottery types have impressed geometric decorations, sometimes enhanced with colour. But I've never seen any stylized eyes on the Ardalum fragments in the Maltese museums. I've only seen these in Sicily. Looking for traces of evil eye belief in the ancient world is a highly speculative endeavor, and we can't really prove a connection. But let's look at the possibilities. Since horns have been an important part of the evil eye belief system in more recent times, it's also possible that horns in the ancient world had a meaning beyond strength and fertility. As I said in my video, Horns and Hypogea, the megalithic world of ancient Sardinia, Neolithic Sardinia is full of horn symbolism. It's also found even earlier than that in Paleolithic France. The figurine, which is now referred to as the Venus of Lausel, is thought to depict a female deity carrying a horn. And then there are these bull horns, which were found in a sanctuary at Katalhoyuk in Turkey. This domestic settlement dates back to 7100 BCE. In Malta, a bowl of seashells and a horn were found under the threshold slab at the entrance to the South Temple at Gigantia. This is thought to have been a ritual deposition made at the time the temple was built. Full bull iconography is found in many cultures from the later Bronze Age and from classical antiquity. Analyzing the frescoes from the Minoan civilization, scholars are quite certain the bulls represented strength and fertility. The connection is quite apparent. For the cult of Mithras in ancient Rome, it was thought bulls had astrological significance and represented Taurus. So I'm not equating bull symbolism with the evil eye, I'm just talking about horns. But no one even knows why horns became associated with warding off the evil eye in the first place. If the Minoans jumping over bulls was seen as representing humanity's control over nature, then making the sign of the horn could be a derivative of that in some way. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. In ancient Egypt, the eye of Horus was seen as a protective symbol. Not necessarily against the evil eye. There's no solid evidence for that. However, it could have been used in that way, which means the belief in the Mediterranean could go back to the Bronze Age at least. And then 
What about phallic symbolism? As I said before, historically in the Mediterranean, referring to genitalia, either in an overt or a discreet way, has been used to ward off the evil eye. So maybe phallic symbolism in the ancient past also played that role. We automatically associate phallic symbolism with fertility. But maybe in the ancient world, it had more to do with warding off the evil eye. But then again, society at that time maybe didn't associate genitalia with vulgarity, which in the modern times we do. Who knows? We could speculate all day, but being aware of this belief system and the rich, diverse iconography associated with it helps us to look at the ancient world through a different lens. And I've never really done this before, even though I've studied the evil eye. So I think it's good now to go back and, and do that. We don't know much about the rituals and ceremonies of the ancient past. We just know there was definitely a lot of them going on. Anthropologists refer to magic rituals as ways of domesticating chants. There is a long history of people using magic or supernatural assistance to gain some level of control over their environment. But the type of beliefs underpinning this ritual behavior vary, as do the customs associated with them. In the past, people made votive offerings to a deity to encourage a good crop. They also sacrificed animals to appease a deity in the midst of a drought. They created carvings in the wall of a new house or buried something underneath the foundation stone to elicit protection. They used oracles to interpret omens and divine the future. They procured the help of specialists to remove the curses of witches. They used amulets and objects to ward off the evil eye. Domesticating chants and alleviating anxiety-inducing events have, for a long time, been important to people. But papers on the evil eye specifically have traditionally looked at rural villages in the Mediterranean and attributed the belief system to economic parity, to egalitarianism. The idea is that people were so afraid of attracting envy that they tried not to be wealthier than their neighbours. It served a convenient fiscal role in societies where resources were limited. However, when I researched this uh, a few years ago, I found that there are also a lot of sociological reasons for its existence connected with honour and shame, and that from an economic perspective, the issue was less about economic parity and more about a fear of change. And let's face it, such issues could have been just as prevalent in the ancient past as rural 20th century society and modern times. So there's no reason why the belief system can't have a much older origin than we currently have evidence for. I think our ancestors were more complicated than we give them credit for. I don't think they built enormous megaliths just to monitor the solstices for agriculture. I think the megaliths and the Neolithic symbols played a practical as well as a ritual role. And those rituals probably went beyond farming considerations and were part of a very complicated ecosystem of belief. What do you think? Let me know in the comments. Please hit the like button. Share with your friends if they're interested in history. A big thank you goes out to my patrons. If anyone else wants to support me in that way, I've put a link to my Patreon page below. Also, come and find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, where I post regularly. And take a look at my website, megalithhunter.com. I'm also issuing a monthly newsletter now. Well, I'm trying to keep it monthly. So you can sign up to that on my website on the homepage.